Before we start the latest episode of Fright Club, we wanted to take a minute to acknowledge the passing of a friend to the entire Columbus creative community. Yeah, Matthew Bush passed away, and he was, as you said, he was such an incredibly strong presence. He was a great supporter, not just of Fright Club, but of really everything going on around Columbus uh, that was creative. And he was just a, such a strong presence and, and an absence that will be felt. So rest in peace, Matthew. We'll miss you, and this is for you. And I didn't realize back in medieval times they had access to so much axe pomade. <laughs> He's an amazing talent, one of my absolute favorite actors. Sucks out loud in this movie. <laughs> if there was hidden cameras in this house, you would be amazed by how many times we say to each other throughout the day, <laughs> Enoof! We do. Welcome. We're just whispering behind the scenes because we had a little bit of a technical <laughs> technical problem, but we are on. We're back. I am Godzilla, and she is calm, <laughs> and we're going to fight. And uh, uh-huh. <laughs> let you all take bets. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from madwolf.com. Welcome back. It seems like it's been a little while. Been it's a minute, been a really long time, yes. But this is great because this might be our favorite episode of the year. This is so much fun. Skeletons in the Closet 2021. We've been doing this now for, boy, I don't know, four or five years anyway, oh, yeah. probably longer. But uh, what it means is we're digging into the bad horror movie pasts of Oscar nominees. Yep. Normally, we like to celebrate the good horror movies. We do like to. This is fun because we get to celebrate the bad and, and also know that the people that we're celebrating have gone on to bigger and much better things. Yes. Because this year, they're all Oscar nominated. That's so. right. Glad you're here. We look forward to some fun comments, as always. And uh, we're getting them already. Hello. Hey, Hello. So we'll talk about the Oscar races and uh, some of these some of these movies that are in the past of the nominees that I there's a couple of these I haven't even heard of I hadn't oh, even heard yeah. of which is always great it is fun but first off we got to thank boy I forget his name we just call him Mad Wolf Junior <laughs> the Mad Wolf Cub right Donovan he joined us last time. And we did, because it was March, and March is his birthday, and we did Screwed Up Families in Horror, and and it was very, very much fun, and it was kind of funny because he slammed all of the movies on my list like the day before, even though we had forever and ever to watch them, um, which sounded right. That checks out. And I thought it was super, super fun. One of the reasons we had him on is because his band, New Plague Radio just dropped an EP with four songs on it and a, and a video. The Beeswax. The, the Beeswax is the EP. The video is for the song Meth Amphetamine Dance, which our son, he also directed the video. He yeah. plays guitar and uh, and sings, and then there's another singer slash rapper and uh, bass player, and it's super fun, so yep. find it wherever you download your tunage and listen. And we did have a couple of comments on that particular broadcast. Effed up families? Effed up families. Things that we missed? Yes. Seth thought The Last Exorcism would be a good one to include, and I can't say that I'm completely opposed to that idea. Samuel, whose lovely wife joined us for the um, librarians. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He thought Ready or Not. That... That's something that we is, definitely should good. have covered, ready or not. Good call. Yes. And then our bestie, John Tice. Anything Reagan. The actual Reagans. <laughs> he was hoping for some reason that we would talk about. And we didn't. Oh, <laughs> that's anyway. good. So um, as soon as, every year, as soon as we get the Oscar nominees, yes. right away. I mean, I know your brain is moving. All right. What can I, who can I center on and who can I pick out for their bad horror movies? And you had to do a little bit of 
digging I did. this year. Because there, a lot of them have made some great horror, horror movies. Um, Stephen Yoon, for example. Of course, he's from The Walking Dead. But he also did the, the movie Mayhem, which was a tremendous amount of fun. But even better, two years ago, he did the movie Burning. If you haven't seen it, oh, you must. Oh, yeah. It's so great. So yeah. there was a lot. There's a lot of really good horror, actually, in this group. And then there are a ton of people who, your Carrie Mulligans, uh, ton, they never made horror movies at all. Or, in fact, bad movies, if you're Carrie Mulligan. So that was... But we have plenty to choose from. I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, so many of these people have been nominated multiple times. And what I really wanted to do to a certain degree was not go back over the people that we've already done. Certainly not if we had to cover the same films. So for that reason, no Glenn Close. Um, Although Mary Riley continues to be an absolutely terrible movie. And she's so miscast as, like, the madam uh, she's got like she's got like silver tooth going on. It's just and her her accent. Oh my well, god! Well, she got nominated this year for a terrible movie, yes. so that would sort of uh... yes, an abomination. <laughs> so those are a couple of ones that are not going to make it. But no. uh, anything else before we dive in? I don't think so. Okay. Because so, there's tons to talk about while we're in here, so we may oh, yeah. as well go ahead and get started. All right, let's jump on it and do number five: Skeletons in the Closet, 2021. This is from 2010. Uh, five teenagers are introduced to each other in a chat room called Chelsea Teens, all with different <laughs> personalities. And when one shows its darker side, it threatens the life of the others. This is Daniel Kaluuya in chat room. I've got something to give you. You're trying to kill him. You are going to do this. And we're all implicated. No, please don't do this. Just leave me alone. This is sick. I need to finish this. Chat room. You get in my way, and I'll make you alive. Hell. A lot of familiar faces in that. <laughs> Seeing Imogene Poots, yeah. uh, who's everywhere, seems lately. And Aaron Aaron Taylor Johnson is that him? Yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, and of course Daniel Kaluuya, who looks to me so young in this movie. It is about ten years old, so I suppose that makes some sense. Um, it's it's not good. <laughs> and he's up this year for best supporting actor somehow uh, for Judas and the Black Messiah, That's and right. also nominated is his co-star Lakeith Stanfield. Right. So I guess there's not a male lead in that movie. <laughs> uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Leslie Odom, Odom Jr., and Paul Racy from um, Sound of Metal. I think Daniel Kaluuya has this hands down. Nothing against any of the other performers, but he was ju- he was just drop the mic great. Yeah, he was movie. on fire. He was so great. We hope he wins. Uh, he's for me, I think, the best performance I saw in anything Incredible. all of last year. Incredible and. Looking back at this movie, if you remember it at all, they tried to market it as from the director of The Ring. Uh, but director Hideo Nakata was not the director. He was the director of the Japanese Ringu. Ringu. Yeah, but yeah. they tried to do a little sleight of hand here and get people to come see this. This is one of the reasons that I don't understand why the film is so bad, because he did direct this. You know, and He directed Ringu. He directed the sequel to Ringu, the Japanese sequel, and he directed the Japanese Dark Water, all of which are great. And um, the woman who wrote this movie, she based it on her play, and she wrote a couple of other, uh, she wrote The Hunger, right? Hunger, uh, Steve McQueen, the, which is brilliant. 
and disco pigs, which is great. This movie just doesn't make any sense at all. First of all, that chat room business, because that's so it's it's to keep you from having to watch people on their laptops the whole time. They they show up and you realize they're just on their laptops. They're not physically there, but it's sort of this surreal quality that should work and totally doesn't. Um, and the emotional sort of arc of each of the characters is is so haphazard but also the bad guy he plays with with each of the characters individually and gets them to do something awful and then nothing happens and they just keep showing up back in the chat room it doesn't make any sense it's so badly put together which you gotta lay on the director and it's too bad because it is it's a it's a somewhat compelling concept but it's a great cast and i actually like the idea behind Showing them in an actual mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. instead of I, I can see why they wanted to do yes. that, especially when it was years before uh, movies now that are so good about the integrity of being on a computer. Yeah, it's gotten so much better. But uh, I, I give them credit for trying to do that. It just didn't come. It didn't come to fruition like they hoped it would. Not only that, I mean, it's just the way they chop up the story is nonsensical. Characters show up and disappear. Storylines disappear. The whole thing is just so just so ineptly put together it's it's kind of it's really a, it's really a waste and it's still interesting to hear daniel kalua speak in his native yeah. accent because most of the movies we've seen him in he doesn't do that no that's true and of course obviously daniel kalua is in one of the all-time great horror films in get out yep. so no stranger to the genre but uh this was not a good way to start things off but he got better and he's probably <laughs> probably going to take home some hardware he should come uh, april 25th and derek says lakeith stanfield was great as well yes, yes he, he was, was. He really and was. they should be nominated in different categories, but they are and not. And Shaka King should be nominated for director. Yeah, man, what a great movie. So uh, number five, Skeletons in the Closet this year, Daniel Kaluuya, chat room of 2010. Uh, going up to number four, this is sort of a, a double, two for Tuesday kind of thing here. <laughs> uh, at number four, both Amanda Seyfried... We're trying hard to pronounce her name correctly. Because she's been a, a massive celebrity for 15 years or more, and we've <laughs> always said her name and wrong. And Gary Oldman, set in a medieval <laughs> village that is haunted by a werewolf, a young girl falls for an orphaned woodcutter. Much to her family's displeasure from 2011, Red Riding Hood. The wolf is someone in this village. Tell me who it is. I'm wrong for you. You will be happy again. Come away with me. You better watch yourself. The wolf is coming. We're gonna get what you deserve. This trailer is really a perfect embodiment of this movie because you have that little little bit that grabs your interest where he says the wolf is someone in this room is it you and then it becomes twilight just like that and that's basically what this movie is it's directed if you didn't notice there and didn't know Catherine hardwick uh who did twilight and to me it just felt like a reimagining of twilight set with a werewolf that's exactly what it was and it's unfortunate because it also wastes a great cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Amanda Seyfried, Gary Oldman, the twofer. We could do a lot of Gary Oldman twofers I'm even sorry. just today. How did you pronounce her name just now? Seyfried. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> I said it wrong. Again. I can say Gary Oldman, however. because um, So he's in this, right? Um, he's got his own today. He's also in two horror films, of course, with Anthony Hopkins, uh, co-nominee, right? He's mm-hmm. also in Hannibal and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Gary mm-hmm. Oldman was in everything. And yeah, this movie, you know... 
Catherine Hardwick, they just turned right around and handed her another Twilight. It's exactly what it is, is Twilight. There's, you know, except there's two possible wolf boys instead of a wolf boy and a vampire. But the biggest difference here is that, and really the, the massive downfall of the film is that both Shiloh Fernandez and Max Irons, who play her two suitors, are so fucking terrible. They're terrible. They're so terrible. And, uh, well, Jenny says, oh, my God, this movie was so lame. That's correct. That is uh, absolutely correct. And strangely enough, it was the screenplay was featured in the blacklist from 2009, and that's the yearly list of the most liked scripts that have not been developed. And what people saw in this script, I guess we'd have to see maybe another version of it. Because it sure is not the one that we got. No. This is, this. it's just a mess of a, a, a werewolf Twilight wannabe. Yeah, Julie Christie is kind of fun in it. And it looks pretty good. I mean, it's clearly, it's very clearly a, a set, a created set, except for like maybe two shots that were like actually in the out of doors. But it does. I mean, it looks good. Most of the performers are talented. The writing is awful. And the, but the, the two male leads are just laughably bad. But Mon- Gary Oldman seems to be having a good time. He does. Monty says more like twi-bite. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Good one. Um, so Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> uh, she's nominated uh, Best Supporting Actress for Mank. Uh, and very deserving. She's With great. her co-star in this film. They yeah. were not nominated for this film, surprisingly enough. No, they were. She's also she's up um, against Glenn Close from that awful hillbilly elegy. Uh, Olivia Coleman for The Father. Maria Bakalova from Borat, so subsequent good. movie film, and then the grandma from Minari. And I think that Maria Bakalova is going to win from uh, Borat. I just have a feeling. Yeah, I, I don't know. Good. But Amanda is great in this movie, and she definitely deserves, uh, in Mank, not this yeah. movie, definitely <laughs> deserves the uh, nomination. But back to this one, I mean, you can point to the splashes of color are nice. You know, anytime red is used like that to offset, offset, the, uh, the snow, the snow yeah. is is impressive, and I do like the way they throw a a couple of um, I don't want to. They're not really uh, Easter eggs, but like things that they do. Everybody they they talk about the eye color uh, from everyone is, yeah. is a giveaway. So everybody's wearing uh, brown contact lenses because Julie Christie especially is famous for her blue eyes. Right. So they had to cover those up, trying to keep you guessing as to who the real werewolf is. I mean, you can probably guess, but it all boils down to. There, she has two possible lovers, mm-hmm. and either one of them could kill her with their passion. <laughs> oh, it's so YA and angsty. It's so <laughs> Twilight. And I didn't realize back in medieval times they had access to so much Axe pomade <laughs> for these guys. It's nice, but uh, not a good movie. So that's why it qualifies for, as a skeleton in the closet for both Amanda Seyfried and we'll stop doing that, I swear. And uh, Gary Oldman from Red Riding Hood. Any, anything more on that classic? No. Okay. It's a shame because, well, we'll talk about another one coming up here, but I, I always look forward to a werewolf movie, but anymore, I've just, I think that they're all going to be lame. That is number four uh, on our Skeletons in the Closet. So, well, keeping with the theme, you want to move up to number three uh, This uh, on the list? This is from 2010, and upon his return... To his ancestral homeland, an American man is bitten and subsequently cursed by a werewolf. 2010's The Wolfman, Anthony Hopkins. She exerts enormous power, doesn't she? Do you believe in curses? (laughs) Run free. 
Another one that has a great cast, oh and I God, remember being very excited about this because of the cast, and that they were going to try to, you know, be true to the original story and the original movie from from 1941, and it just falls apart. Now, the first thing you can do is point to the fact that it went through multiple directors, right? It had a bunch of problems leading up to Joe Johnston signing on, and he just signed on just mere weeks before principal photography began. And that's one of the reasons, I guess, that they had to rely on so much CGI simply because there wasn't time, even though they did what they could with the makeup. And, and Rick Baker did the makeup, and he won an Academy. He won an Oscar. He won an Oscar for it. Oh, but, my God. But, you know, to be fair, I, when I think about this movie, I, I do think about the ridiculousness of the makeup at the end, the finale, which looks like two Pomeranians fighting. Yeah, but up until then... I guess the, the makeup isn't nearly that bad. It's just no. at the end it looks ridiculous. My favorite, my favorite part of this movie, and you see it for just a second in the in the trailer, is that they essentially turn Hugo Weaving into Gollum, into Golem. You can see, and I that was I thought that was I don't know if they did that intentionally that that's what they made him look like, but that's exactly what he what he looked like. And it's such a it is such a great cast. I mean, Anthony Hopkins, he's not always good in movies. He's very hammy when he's in bad movies, and that's the first clue that this is going to be a bad movie. It's like he senses it, and he just hams it up because he's so over-the-top and silly in this in very much the same way he was when he played Ben Helsing mm-hmm. uh, in, in Dracula. And, of course, he has made very good horror movies, as we know. And so it's not like he's always like that, but he does get so hammy, and it's kind of fun. You can see some of it in this trailer. It's kind of fun some of the times he does this. And if, if everybody could have picked up on that note, it might have worked to a certain degree. The movie might have worked to a certain degree in the same way that Bram Stoker's Dracula is not a good movie. But you can still watch it. It's still watchable because of some of the silliness about it. And it looks glorious. But Hugo Weaving and Emily Blunt are playing it very straight. They mm-hmm. do a very good job. They try very hard. Benicio Del Toro, who is a glory. He's an amazing talent. One of my absolute favorite actors. Sucks out loud in this movie. <laughs> he just trudges through every scene. Yeah. He barely opens his eyes. I'm also curious. So it's funny. In the original film, father and son had very different accents. So I guess they just went with it again. They never explained to us, why do the father and son have so completely different accents? And why is it that the American son has a Spanish accent in this one. I don't understand it. But as you say, it all leads to that fisticuffs at the end with just the most ridiculous costumery. They just look idiotic. There are a few things I like about this movie. Number one, the character, Lawrence Talbot. And Talbot was my grandmother's maiden name, so I like that. But it has (laughs) a lot of references to an American werewolf in London, starting with the fact that Lawrence lived in the United States since he was a child, and then he's sent to an asylum in London, so basically he's an American werewolf in London, huh? And then um, Constable <laughs> David Schofield plays Constable Nye, and we see him in a local uh, pub, and he made a similar appearance in The Slaughtered Lamb. Enough! Enough! From an American werewolf in London. You would, if there was hidden cameras in this house, you would be amazed by how many times we <laughs> say to each other throughout the day, <laughs> Enough! That's enough! We do. We, we do, do say it a lot. And is, is that a problem? <laughs> we don't think so. But uh, <laughs> but so there's a, a, a number of uh, references to American Werewolf in London. And yeah, the cast, I mean, Emily Blunt, 
she's only I've only seen one movie, the the one uh, Huntsman movie, where she doesn't have chemistry with everyone she comes in contact. Yeah, with. Yeah, she always does, and she does here. Yeah, she does. And and Hugo Weaving is is great and a, a cool presence. But you're right, somehow, even though. He's so hairy. Benicio del Toro seems like this is the role he was born to play. <laughs> he just does. He just doesn't work. He doesn't no, work at all. No, and you know it's funny. Uh, Sicario, which is just such an incredible movie. I love the movie Sicario so much, and I was watching it and I was enjoying it and loving it. And all of a sudden, the two of them were seen together, and I had this flashback of the Wolfman. I'm like, oh God, damn it! But anyway. Uh, Monty says, has anyone checked if George is actually a werewolf? You know, I will answer that with a quote from the Greasy Strangler. Abandon all <laughs> inquiries. All inquiries. <laughs> oh, so this one is, it's so, it's so campy. I don't even know. You know it would have worked better if it was just full on camp. It really yeah, would it, have. it probably would, especially that ending. That's, it's just ridiculous. And it's too bad because they, if, from what you read and research about it, they really tried they came into the project having such reverence for the first one that I, right. I think their intentions were good. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, you can't hire a director two weeks before princi- yeah. principal photography and hope that it works out. And you know, Joe Johnson is not a terrible director, um, but he likes sort of big and glitzy. And I feel like it was at odds with some of what the film itself seemed to be trying to do. You know, like the the, the parts that are in the asylum and some of the parts that are sort of out on the moors. Uh, it doesn't. It just didn't work very well together. None of it came together very well. In the scene only in the director's cut, Max. Oh my God! Can you imagine seeing the director's cut? I'm sorry, <laughs> but no. Max von Sydow has a cameo that uh, that harkens back to Hour of the Wolf. <gasps> so that would be a reason enough just to watch the director's cut. We should schedule Brotherhood of the Wolf. Let's we got to watch that yeah. one. We got to watch that with a big crowd at Gateway. Yeah. yeah. What? What did we? Another. Oh, Brandon had a uh, had one. I saw. Today that he posted, he was watching the Day of the Beast. Yeah, right, and said that uh, called out to you specifically because he knows I have no say in this. <laughs> uh, called out to you spe- <laughs> specifically <laughs> to do a Fright Club Live, and that one would be good too. It would be because it's just nuts. It's just crazy. So I feel like we're close, people. I think we're close to yeah, getting back I think to the are. crowd. Just stay the course. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. So those two pencil those those two in. Those would be good. Because we always do like to do a classic. The Brotherhood of the Wolf could be our, our classic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Let's mark it down. Okay. The Wolfman. Uh, number three on Skeletons in the Closet. Did we talk about... Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't talk about Anthony Hopkins. And he's up for Best Actor this year. And he is up for The Father. And he's fantastic in he that really movie. He really is. He really is. Riz Ahmed, your favorite <gasps> for Sound yeah, of Metal. Yeah, that's who I would give it to. I don't think he's going to win, but that's who I would give it to. Uh, Gary Oldman for Mank. We talked about him. Love him. Steven Yeun from Minari. So great. And I think the lock of locks this year. And he does deserve it. He does. It's he's not wonderful. a sentimental no. pick. But Chadwick Boseman yeah. for the amazing Ma Rainey's Black so Bottom. Underseen. How that was not nominated for Best Picture, I still don't know. But uh, he was uh, nominated, and he is going to win, and he deserves it. Uh, just another bittersweet uh, award that we'll probably see this year. Okay, so, well, we'll stick with that category, because moving up to number two, uh, from 2009, this is a young woman fighting the spirit that has slowly taken possession of her. It's Gary Oldman in The Unborn. Do you think it's possible to be haunted by someone who's never even born? <laughs> What's happening to me is real. Get out of here! Go! It's not safe to be around me. How do I stop it? 
And this is the video record of the attempted exorcism of Casey Belden. You sure you want to go through this? I just want this to be over. Well, Gary Oldman, much like Anthony Hopkins, great, has made some great movies, and he's made some turds. He's made, he's like 50-50. He, I mean, he makes so many movies, and mathematically speaking, it's almost impossible for them not to, a lot of them be bad, but I'd say about 50% of them are bad. Um, he has made so many bad horror movies, and the thing that makes me sad about him and about, um, about Anthony Hopkins is how many of their bad horror movies are not old films, they're recent. Mm-hmm. Just last year, uh, Gary Oldman made the movie Mary about a ghost ship, and it was just oh, terrible. I forgot about that Oh, it's just terrible. And I love him. I've loved, loved, loved Gary Oldman since, of course, he played Sid Vicious in Sid and Nancy when I was a kid. And I've loved him ever since, and I see everything. And I'm always disappointed when, in this one, he really barely even tries. And you ask, because it's not just him also. Um, Idris Elba is in this movie. Um, and uh, both of them, neither one of them shows up until about an hour and ten minutes in. And Idris Elba is in it for a total of 10 minutes tops at the very most. Gary Oldman is in it for maybe 15 minutes. And you ask yourself, what the hell are they doing in this movie? Well, David S. Goyer wrote and directed it. Mm-hmm. So he also wrote all three of the Blade movies. He directed Blade Trinity. But more importantly, he wrote all three of Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. And he had just come off of when this came out in 2009. So he had just come off of The Dark Knight, which explains Oldman, right? That's, that's why Oldman is in this movie. Since he made this movie and directed it, he has directed almost nothing and everything was just episodic TV because this movie is absolute garbage. It's a train wreck from beginning to end. It never feels like a single solitary film. It feels like non sequiturs, just a whole bunch of individual scenes of cliches. Here's a cliche we'd like to film for you. Here's a dog with an upside down head. That's kind of freaky. This is also the film debut of Rachel Brosnahan. This was her first movie. Just Megan Good is in it. Oh, uh, Cam Giganet. There's a Giganet sighting <laughs> in it as well. Carla Gugina is in it. I probably mispronounced her name her entire career as it's well. It's pronounced Seifert. <laughs> By the way, Jordan asked for a, a regular feed of you guys watching trailers. So we need to set up a different camera that just has us watching trailers. Well, also, we're watching my big monitor over there. So that's what we're both looking at while while it's playing, which probably seems weird. It's it's funny because we were so ready. We hadn't done this for a while, and you practiced yesterday. You came on and practiced, and then they threw us a, a technical curveball here at the last minute, and we were left scrambling, and we looked up, and, hey, it's 7.30. That's right, because here's what happened. It's, as should, I got on Facebook. I am actually an active Facebook participant, and it has thrown the entire earth off its tilt. Cats and dogs living together. That's right. Everything. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. And also, my mouse won't work, so I can't come <laughs> over here and click on the, um, the comments, which is very sad. So Gary Oldman, well, we already talked about the best actor race. Uh, which uh, is probably going to go down. Well, he, in fact, that he just won. Even though I loved Mank, I know a lot of people didn't. It has a, a certain sort of tone that I understand. If it doesn't work for you, you're going to be out. I loved it too. I, yeah. I loved it, and I thought he was fantastic. He was so good. Um, he's not going to win, probably no. even if Chadwick Boseman wasn't in this because he just won how many years ago? Just a few. And because Riz Ahmed is in it. Uh, Riz Ahmed, yeah. But uh, but he's fantastic, and, and we loved Mank. But we did not love The Unborn from 2009, number two. <laughs> All right, let's go to number one. Um, from 1972, a schoolgirl goes from braids to bouffant when her mother makes her a bar hostess slash prostitute. She cures impotence for Professor Lee and becomes his concubine, and it's called Insect Woman. 
And you're going to have to pronounce uh, pronounce her name for me. Yunya Jung. And she has been around forever and ever, and she's always wonderful. She's had a hell of a year, actually, because she was also earlier this year in the movie Dogs Clawing at Straws, which was really fun. But she's been around forever, and she's she's just always great. And this movie was hard to find. It's actually, I mean, it's in a way it isn't. It's on YouTube, and you can just watch it for free on YouTube, although the subtitles that are badly drawn right onto the celluloid are in Spanish. So you have to turn on the closed captioning because it's just weird. But this is the most bizarre movie. They had no idea where they were going with this at all. So it starts off, and for, I would say, fully an hour, I almost gave up on it. I thought, this isn't a horror movie. For fully an hour, it's a story about this young girl who her father leaves the family because her mother is also a mistress. So he goes back to his real family and leaves her family destitute. So her mom decides that she needs to go become a concubine to pay for their existence, and she can't do it. So she winds up hooking up with the very first guy that she um, has sex with as a concubine, who is her high school teacher, who essentially rapes her. It's horrifying. But then she's just like, well, let's just live together now so I don't have to do this with anybody else. And you met the wife in the trailer. It's so funny, the trailer. She shows up at the house and the dad is just like, I'm going to go upstairs now. And she's like, "What? what's going on? So two-thirds of the movie is this weird melodrama where the wife and the mistress kind of work together to minimize the stress on the family it's all very bizarre and then you have the like sexy time scenes where it's like uh this real erotic music and it's tr- and they they go on for such a long time and they're the most unsexy things you've ever seen there's one <laughs> it's shot from underneath a glass table and she spills all this hard candy like these round ball hard candies all over the table and then they have sex on top of the hard candy and it's shot from underneath the table so all we can see are their butts smooshed up with hard candy like smooshing their butts up and sticking to their it's it just wanted it to go away and then out of nowhere an hour and 15 minutes in i'm not making this up there's a vampire baby they lose it Nobody talks about the fact that there was a baby, it's a vampire, and now it's lost. What happened to it? I don't know. And at the end, it's a murder mystery. What? And at no point does anybody explain why the movie is called Insect Woman or which woman they're talking about. I don't know. It is a train wreck, and it's so long, and it's just terrible. It's just terrible. So for all those reasons and more. It's number one in Skeletons of the Closet, uh, Skeletons in the Closet this year. And actually, this is when, uh, back in the 70s, her her career had really just started, just started. I mean, she sort of got started late in life at, yeah. at, for an age for, for an actress, but then it just... Well, it was 50 years ago. Yeah, and it just took off. Yeah. It just Her career took off after that, and now everybody just loves her. In fact, I think if anybody, even though, as I said before, I think Maria Bakalova is going to win this, but I could see... I could see her her winning. I would she be seems thrilled. like she's got a lot of uh, momentum on her side right now. Everybody and and I think her. she was so good in that movie. She was. She was so good. And one of the things that she does, I think, in almost every film she's in, is that even though the film is a drama, something about her character brings humor to it. It doesn't make it a comedy. She just seems like a per- like you just know people who are funny. And that's the way it should be in dramas, is that there are characters who would just be funny because mm-hmm. you know humans. Everybody knows people who are just funny. And that's what she does. And in this one, she does this thing where she crinkles her face up the whole time, periodically. And it's, uh, I don't know, I mean, even though the movie is a complete train wreck, she's very enjoyable in it. And for some reason, it's called Insect Woman. We have no idea why. <laughs> you know, if you do want to look it up, though, 
There is another South Korean film from the 60s called Insect Woman, and you'll know right away because it's a period drama. So if you see they're not wearing bad 70s clothes, it's not the right one. <laughs> Number one, Skeletons in the Closet 2021. So if we missed any, uh, let us know what you think or if you disagree with our picks, our Oscar picks this year. We'll find out. April 25th is the awards. Still getting used to that new timeline. I know. Here's I'm, I'm curious about next year. Is, is next year going to be just like a 10-month window for right. Oscar contenders? Or, or I don't know what they're going to do. And I, th- I believe the, the SAG Awards are this Sunday. Ooh. This Sunday night. I think they're on TNT. Um, so It's we'll- the best predictor of the Oscar race, actually. So you should watch the SAGs. Well, and then usually the night before the Oscars, we always love to watch yeah, the Independent yeah, Spirit Awards. That's right. The most yeah. famous people you ever see in a tent. <laughs> so that's our Skeletons in the Closet 2021. And uh, we're looking ahead. We've got some... Already got some great episodes lined up we for in the, next, in the next coming weeks for Fright Club. That's right. And we're actually very excited because um, in a couple of weeks we are going to tape a Freaks and Psychos podcast with Andrew. And I'm very excited that he's invited us to come on that. We're excited to do that. And we'll have to have him on Fright Club then coming up in the following months because he's he's contractually obligated to do that whether he knows it or not yeah if you haven't checked out <laughs> if you haven't checked out andrew's disability in horror podcast it's, it's so really good, good. It's and it's so smart much smarter than this one yes i mean is. they get academic <laughs> <laughs> they get academic yeah, they on really our asses do. they, they really, really do, do. And i know i'm intimidated to be on it yeah exactly so uh we'll we'll, we'll hopefully have a home and home and yeah. get him on on this as well so that's coming up we're also going to do we're going to take a great conversation that we had on the Fright Club podcast Facebook group. And my Lord, I've gotten all this way into the into the episode and haven't even mentioned that. So please join the Fright Club podcast Facebook group. <laughs> but we had a nice uh, nice thread going some weeks ago about the, the best horror movie that you will never watch again. And that is going to be with our buddy Jason Tostevin. That's right. It's been a long time. The great filmmaker and also co-founder and programmer for Nightmares Film Festival, Jason Tostevin, is going to join us for the next episode, our 200th episode that's why we're getting all fancy 200th episode and we are going to count down the best horror movies that you can only watch once so we're not talking about really bad ones that you're not gonna watch second time because they're terrible like insect woman (laughs) Um, (laughs) the unborn no we're gonna talk about the really great movies that you can only sit through oh uh, rachel says what's the cat's name if you missed it it's velma 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 do that's right as my hero when i was a kid i wanted to grow up to be velma as the kitty yeah People are liking the cat more than us. When we get her back on the she's, screen, <laughs> she's a lot more likable than I we are. I can't believe she hasn't said this is the most talkative cat I've ever had. <laughs> Just screams at us all day long, and now she's sitting here and won't won't say a word. So I don't know. Camera shy. Tyrone says happy 200th anniversary. Thank you. Yeah. So we yeah. Sh- we're excited about that. That'll be a good one. In the meantime, let us know what you thought about anything we talked about tonight or the kitty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we look forward to uh, all the comments, and we'll have this up and edited as an, an actual podcast form uh, by Monday. Uh, so thanks again for checking in. I know it's been a while. It's been a few weeks since we've done uh, Fry Club Live. And we're a- rusty, and yeah. like, <laughs> I apologize. So we'll see. Maybe if we're lucky, the next one will be back in front of a, a great crowd. We'll see you all in person. But uh, until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends. And abandon all inquiries. <laughs>